Welcome back to the Gold Factor Podcast, your guide and gateway to a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Bernadette Gold, transformation and high performance coach, here to lead you through another chapter of my audiobook, The Crooked Path to a Charm Life, a clairvoyant medium's journey to embracing her spiritual gifts. Now, remember, each episode of season one is a new chapter in the book as we traverse the realms of the seen and the unseen. So let's dive in and continue our adventure together. It's time to think bigger, feel deeply, and act boldly. Chapter 16, Horsing Around. As I settled into living in a bigger space, I longed for land and horses, wanting to pursue my dreams of rehabilitating horses again. Two years of manifesting whatever I desired had shown me that these universal principles were real. I bought a couple of rescue horses and was already training them. Dawson, a big black warm blood, and a cute Morgan Arab mix named Lad for Brindy, leading me back to a childhood dream as well as my spirit animal. Dawson needed a lot of attention and rehabilitation. He would never be a great riding horse, so I continued to look for one. I was offered a great deal on a Grand Prix dressage horse with an attitude problem named Bo. As I worked with Bo to get his attitude straightened out, I realized he wasn't trying to be a jerk to his riders. He just had no tolerance for bad treatment. The longer I worked with him, the more I liked him. Finally, I bought him and started training him to jump. While training Bo to jump, I began to wonder why I shouldn't pursue horse training full-time. With a purchase offer on the boat, I wrote a list of things I wanted and began hunting for the perfect property. I found a 10-acre horse boarding and training facility just 20 minutes south of downtown San Diego, Within just a few days, the property was vacant and available for lease. It didn't take much convincing for Mike to see the possibility of us working and living there. I used the proceeds from the boat sale to lease the property and set it up with new equipment and stalls. The Bella Farms venture took a couple of weeks to set up to my liking. It only took a month to reach capacity. The barn was full with eight of my horses and all available boarding stalls outside were taken. I manifested a successful business quickly. Every time I set out to create something, it was easy when my heart, mind, and emotions aligned. I was engrossed in running the ranch, training and getting through the physical demands daily. I had two helpers that alternated feeding and stall cleaning. Juan worked during the week, and when he was off, his brother Javier worked the weekends. We had it all down to a well-organized system of caring for over 30 horses. I was giving riding lessons, training problem horses, and managing the business. It required a commitment of seven days a week, most days, from 5 a.m. until 10 p.m. 
if there is an issue with one of the horses, I stayed up to keep watch. One of the great things about working with the horses was learning about their personalities. For example, one of my clients was looking to buy a horse. We found Will, a thoroughbred, that had a lot of training and was pretty good at dressage. Will was a beautiful chestnut-colored 16.1-hand thoroughbred with an impressive stride. He was flashy and gorgeous. However, he needed some training to lengthen his choppy stride. So my client bought him and put him in full training with me. During our first training session, I set up trotting poles to see if Will would lengthen his stride. He was super responsive as we rode around the arena until we headed for the poles. Horses are meant to step over the poles. Will stepped on them. Immediately, he stopped trotting, stood still, and his entire body began to shake. I jumped off him, thinking he injured himself. Instead, I heard his voice clearly in the tone of a gay man. Oh my God, oh my God, it hurts, it hurts, it's broken. I turned to see if someone was in the arena with me. No one was there but me and Will. It took a few minutes to realize I was hearing him telepathically. Stunned by his dramatic voice and overly dramatic body shakes, I started laughing. Will was holding his left front leg up off the ground. I saw no blood or visible issue with his leg. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts, he continued to cry. He was offended by my laughter, but too scared to stop crying. I grabbed his leg, telling him repeatedly, it's not broken. Finally, I explained that he stepped on the ground pole with one foot, making it feel like something was wrong. I demonstrated by stepping on the pole with one foot, showing him how uneven my legs were. It took 20 minutes of hand walking and reassurance to convince him that he didn't break his leg. Will and I worked on his fears and his bad habits of shortening his stride for weeks. His owner was amazed to see his progress when she returned from a business trip. I took a chance and disclosed our trotting pole debacle, even letting her in on the telepathic communication. Not only was she open to it, but she wished she could hear him too. Knowing that we understood his personality, fears, and needs, he could finally trust us. He fell in love with his new owner and became the spoiled diva he yearned to be. Shasta had become the guard dog of the barn. One night, a pack of coyotes was roaming the property. We had adopted a tiny kitten named Jasmine that Shasta was fond of. While she didn't care for other dogs, she seemed to enjoy the kitten. Sitting at my desk in the kitchen, Shasta became very agitated. Jasmine wasn't in the house for the night. I was afraid Shasta wasn't going to rest until she came in. I stepped out the back door to call the kitten but she didn't come running in. The coyotes began howling in a circle 
near the arena. Shasta bolted out of the house straight for the coyotes. I caught a glimpse of her with something in her mouth minutes after I heard the coyotes run off in the distance. Shasta calmly walked toward me, unfazed by her battle with the coyotes. Even though four coyotes were against her, she somehow chased them all away without even a hair out of place. I could finally make out what she had in her mouth when she walked to the porch. Held gently by Shasta's teeth, bleeding yet calm, Jasmine dangled from her scruff. Shasta walked right past me and gently laid Jasmine on the kitchen floor. She stood over her, licking her fur, then turned to look at me as if to say, she's hurt, help her. Running for a first aid kit, I examined Jasmine and found a puncture wound on her shoulder. It wasn't anything that required stitches, so I cleaned her up and treated the wound. The whole time I worked on her, Shasta sat beside me like a worried mom. After feeding Jasmine, I sat her down next to Shasta, who quickly picked her back up and walked her over to the dog bed. The two snuggled up for the night. Shasta was unwilling to leave Jasmine's side. The ranch taught me so much about animals, telepathy, and I felt like my family was expanding again. Shasta was a mother not only to me, but Brindy, Jasmine, and the other kids that hung out. Unfortunately, life on the ranch was busy, so I had little time to do much inner healing. Nevertheless, progress was being made, just not from a clinical perspective. I felt more relaxed with who I was, and on the surface, our lives looked normal. But of course, unhealed wounds remained, waiting for my attention. Chapter 17, Falling into My Purpose. There were days I wondered if I had made a colossal mistake taking on this venture. Mike wasn't helping at all. He was traveling for work, and his on-off drinking created more problems than I could keep up with. We were making great money, but I started noticing significant bank withdrawals when he was out of town. Money never accounted for either. I later found out he was on a drinking binge while out of town for business. I was beginning to burn out from dealing with his drinking and the increased chaos. I loved the horses and the kids, but life was becoming unbearable. On a long weekend, Mike went missing somewhere in San Diego for almost four days. I had to stay focused on the ranch and Brindy. All hell broke loose on the farm Monday morning. I woke up from a dream, in a panic, to a message from Archangel Michael saying, it's time to go. You're moving to Colorado. You've had five years warning. Covered in sweat, my heart was racing as I stumbled to the bathroom. I washed my face, put on my barn clothes, and headed out to check the horses. By 9 a.m., still feeling a sense of dread and panic, 
one of the boarding clients came running into my office in the barn, announcing the water wasn't working. I ran to check the stalls, the house, the bathroom, and there was no water. So I called the water company and was informed that I had called to shut the water off late Friday afternoon. What? I didn't call to shut the water off. The horses need water, I pleaded. The water company employee insisted that someone did call, pretending to be me. To restore the water, I had to give a new deposit and pay a reconnect fee. When I provided my bank account information, the customer service agent told me, I'm sorry, but the charge was denied. Shocked, I called the bank to find out the $30,000 we had in the joint account was gone. I was grateful I had a check from a boarder. I went to the bank, opened a new account, and called to restore the water. Mike called from rehab that night, explaining that his sister had talked him into getting help. He apologized for disappearing. He was furious when I told him what happened at the ranch. His sister blamed me for his drinking and decided to ruin my life and business. She had called the water company pretending to be me. She didn't care about the threat posed to the animals. All she wanted to do was inflict pain on me. She mistakenly thought I was spending his money. Little did she know that the money from my boat opened the ranch and was in our joint bank account. She convinced Mike to clear the bank account before being admitted to rehab. Not only did I lose the remainder of my savings during his binge, but now I was unable to keep the bills paid. Almost audibly, a voice spoke to me again. It's time to move to Colorado. Close the ranch. Feeling desperate and with little sleep, I sat down to meditate. By now, my relationship with Spirit and the Angels was secure. Announcing himself, Archangel began to speak words of encouragement. I resisted moving to a state I had no ties to. I begged, pleaded, and bargained to stay in San Diego on the ranch. Each request was denied. I was urged to have faith that moving was in the grand plan for my life. I had promised to be a vessel for God's will. It was time to do my job and fulfill that promise. I was afraid I wouldn't have an income if I left the ranch and my business. I told Spirit, if you want me to move, fine. I need a home that is super affordable. Archangel Michael instructed me to write down what I needed to move, and the spirit world would come to my aid. As soon as I stopped resisting the abrupt turn of events, things began falling in place. I received guidance to sell the new stalls, equipment, and six of my horses. I notified the boarders that I had to close the business, explaining what had happened. Mike's sister made further threats that prompted me to hire an emergency moving company, placing my personal belongings in storage. It all happened so fast. It was a blur. But somehow, I made enough money from the sale of things to pay the bills through the next month. 
I asked my guides and angels for a bit of a break before moving to Colorado. Synchronistic events led to a spiritual retreat in Sedona, Arizona. Brindy was in Washington visiting my dad as I left for Sedona, leaving Shasta with my friend Mary in San Diego. Javier, my stable hand, took care of the horses and ranch. My friend Ross was going through a considerable crossroads in his life and decided to join me at the retreat. I spent four days hiking, meditating, and clearing my head. Spirit directed me each day, encouraging me to have faith and the help from unseen realms. Messages poured in. I continued to record them in my journal. I had no choice. By blind faith, I did as Spirit asked, believing the words I was hearing. That which you forgive in others will be forgiven in you. That which you hold against others will be held against you. Matthew 7.1 Judge not, lest you be judged. Judgment, anger, and a touch of victimhood were keeping me stuck. Spirit kept imparting teachings that would allow me to forgive, heal, release, and move forward. I was angry at Mike and his family, mad at my mom for a laundry list of things. But worst, I was ashamed of myself for every mistake I ever made. Whatever you judge against others causes judgment to fall in yourself. When you forgive others for their mistakes, you allow them to be imperfect. The imperfections you allow in others allow you to be imperfect as well. Kept repeating in my mind. Spirit continued to teach me that forgiveness and acceptance are the keys to freedom and love. When you accept others as they are without expecting something in return, you are operating at the highest level of love. Holding a grudge based on something you feel was taken from you allows anger and resentment to build. Forgiving ourselves for mistakes and imperfections is also very important. The biggest misconception we have is that we have to behave perfectly and always make perfect choices. We seem to forget that no matter what choice we make, it is the perfect choice for that moment based on the information we have available. On a hike in Sedona, I had a crucial lesson shown to me. I was a bit unsure of what path to take up Cathedral Rock. The path I chose was a bit steep and rocky. It was getting hot, and I wasn't making progress. So I prayed for some spiritual guidance, asking to be shown the best path to reach the top of the peak. The most beautiful message was received when I quieted my mind enough to listen. Suddenly, a small garden snake got my attention. Stopping dead in my tracks, I heard, Take a step to the right. Then spirit guided me to climb through some brush and over a rock just beyond the snake. Although I wasn't sure it was the correct path, I followed the guidance. Within minutes, I realized the new route was much smoother 
cleared by many people who traveled it before me. The most surprising part of the change in the path was that within 10 minutes, I reached the peak. I didn't even realize I was ascending. My breath was steady, and my legs didn't strain to climb. Once at the peak, Spirit gently spoke. Every path leads to the same place. You have the freedom to choose which one you want to take. Do you want to take the hard, rocky path? Or do you prefer the easy path that has been cleared before you? The message I received that day gave me great insight. I realized how often I had chosen to take the hard, rocky path in life, somehow thinking it was necessary. I always seemed to choose the hard way, resented others and myself. However, as soon as I released the need to be perfect and have everyone else be perfect, my path became easy and effortless. Of course, I'm not saying that every moment will be easy, but the more we allow unconditional acceptance and love to enter our hearts, we open up to the easy path of life. Ultimately, every path leads to the same place, and we will reach our final destination regardless of which path we choose. Forgiveness allows us to freely choose our path and the freedom to walk without fear or resentment. When we hold resentments and grudges against ourselves and others, we become burdened with a hefty load. Forgiveness allows us to release that load and travel through life lightly, unencumbered by anger. By forgiving others and especially ourselves, we allow joy to flow freely in our lives. Ross and I drove from Sedona up into Colorado, looping back around through Nevada and home. I told Spirit I would move if they found me a place for the horses, my dog, Brindy, and I to rent for under 500 a month. My logic was that it couldn't be done, but I would move if it did. Three phone calls later, I found a two-acre property already fenced for horses for $450 a month. I made a deal with Spirit. Now I had to keep my end of the agreement and move. Everything about it lined up to what was on my list. Sight unseen, I rented it over the phone. Within three days, Brindy and I were on our way to our new life in Colorado. The Great Unknown. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Gold Factor Podcast. Want some free resources? Well, join my Facebook community, a group of heart-centered, ambitious individuals just like you. Just go and visit the link in the description, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups, the Gold Factor. And remember, if you're enjoying the book so far, follow the podcast, leave a review. I really appreciate it as we're launching and growing the podcast and share it on social media. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Be blessed and be a blessing.